Back at it with the Sox Stack Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Skiffington. Today, I'm joined by Boston Red Sox farmhand, Eli Marrero. Eli, what's going on, my man? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show today. So, um, I guess, Eli, we'll just start from the top. You had a pretty good year in Portland last year. What came together for you at the plate? I'm just trying to be as consistent uh, with what I can and the opportunities that I had. Um, for me, it was just... Um, you know, just trusting my abilities and being confident. You know, uh, I think being confident is a really huge key uh, for what we do, and especially the game that we play in. So for me, it was just going up there, following the game plan, and sticking to it. Eli, so you grew up in a baseball household. Your dad was a 10-year Major League veteran. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how baseball was kind of ingrained into you from a young age? From the earliest of age that I could remember, sport because he was in it so i think he got his big league call up in 1997 in september i was born june 21st 97 you know so I was, oh i was born right, june 2nd 97 let's go so <laughs> Gemini. right away right away you know from out the womb you know my mom had to go watch, uh, see my dad so at a young age i fell in love with the game early off being around that had its perks you know not too many people get to experience that you know living with a 10-year big leaguer you know, having that knowledge every day, um, being able to learn from the experiences that he had is it's helped me tremendously grow not only as a player, but an individual as well, you know, because just all the stuff that goes on in the game can be difficult. So I think all the, all the outside noise uh, that, that it brings, if he kind of taught on how you can kind of make it easier to let those things go when you have a good day or when you have a bad day, especially. Would you travel around and like go to the ballparks with him when you were young? A lot, a lot. I think I traveled. I traveled, so I would stay there. So I would. So for for example, when he played for St. Louis, I went to school for one semester in St. Louis, and then the second semester I would come come home. So like, I think at the end of the year, which is the or the fall semester, I would go to school there, and then the off season we'd come back to Miami. I'd do the semester there all the way up to spring training. Because uh, it was only in uh, Jupiter at the time. And then I would just do the whole thing all over again. So I was bouncing around all the way up to I was about nine years old. And so I finally told my mom, I said, hey, I, I, you know, I'm kind of done with this. I want to stay home and play ball with my like with my friends. So it was like after that, I didn't travel as much. But I enjoyed the experiences from what I remember. Mm-hmm. So I remember a couple years ago. I don't know if you ever played with Tate Matheny. I didn't get to, but uh, I spent a couple of spring trainings with him. Okay, so obviously his dad's Mike Matheny. He grew up in ballparks as well. And I remember when I talked to him a couple of years ago, he told me that he had like vivid memories of going to the ballpark and seeing guys like Jim Edmond shagging balls with guys like that. Do you what memories like that do you have, if any? It's it's hard to say because I was so I was so small at the time. But I mean, I had a and I shook Jim Edmonds' hand. I shook Albert Pujols' hand at the time. They were just. They're just like my dad's friends. So, like, I didn't know who they were at the time until I got a little bit older. Um, I was there when Mark McGuire broke the record. I don't think I was, like, two years old or something or three. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, I, you know, you're a little, when you're a tiny kid running around the field, you're just grateful to be out there. Now, you're not worried about who's who at the time. You have no idea. You just see your dad and you just want to swing the bat as many times as you could. So, so did you grow up a Car- uh, Cardinals fan, Eli, or did you have – another passion no I grew up I grew up I wouldn't want to say a Cardinals fan because I never really picked a team 
I only liked the team that my dad was in because like, I idolized him growing up. So it was like, whatever he was on, I liked it. Even when he bounced off to the Braves, then I liked the Braves. When he left, I think, to after that was the Mets or Kansas City. Then I liked Kansas City. So it was like wherever he bounced around is a team that I kind of stuck with. Outside of your father, who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, Yadier Molina. Oh, that's I should have figured as much. Should have figured as much. Should have known that. It's catch your love, baby. Come on. Yep. What did you think about the recent? Uh, so recording this uh, Wednesday. What did you think about the Hall of Fame vote yesterday? Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, and uh, Joe Mauer. I mean, I think those guys are very deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, those guys not only are they good ball players, but their characters speak for themselves as well. You know, they respect the game. They respect individuals. So, what about Joe Mauer's? catching ability if anything stuck out to you if you would ever watch him play his leadership the way that he was able to control pitching stuff uh he was a born leader i think just naturally you know he had the personality he had he turned it on when he needed to with his, with his pitchers and when he had to kind of chill out a little bit he was able to do that and have some fun as well eli so ha- what, bring me into like game management when you're in a game how are you managing your pitchers especially at double a when these pitchers are really there to be developing and this is like kind of the biggest jump they'll make in terms of their uh ascension to the major leagues right yeah. um, then it's just building that relationship early it starts in spring training you know right away we kind of build that bond and you know as you're getting into it we're working on certain things certain pitches already and you just got to build that confidence you know you have a scouting report that you have to follow but like i say just like we're following a scouting report on the hitters they're following a scouting report on you you know, so you have to use the game and uh, use your eyes when you play this game because you have to make adjustments off the fly. You know, you have to get off of your own strengths, you know, at times, which may be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's going to help as the game progresses. What have you been working on specifically, if anything, this offseason to bring into your game in 2024? i uh, just really been working on uh, a little bit more mobility, uh, working on my bat a little bit. You know, I try to – every year I try to get better in all aspects of the game. You know, it's mentally, physically. Um, but for me, I'm just trying to become the all-around great baseball player, you know, trying to be able to help any team win at any cost. Um, I know my abilities and what I can do, so I'm just confident with my work that I've put in and everything else will kind of fall into place. With that. Eli, over the last, let's say, five years, give or take a year, there's been kind of an evolution throughout the game, especially as it pertains to catchers with the one-leg stance. Where do you stand on that? That's a good question because I live with uh, an old school dad who uh, mm-hmm. called in the old school time. So we kind of bump heads from time to time, you know, because he loves the old school method of catching. But, um, I mean, I'm a fan of it, honestly. You know, um, any way that we can trick these umpires into giving us more strikes, I'm all in for it. I mean, I'm sure I pretty start <laughs> too. But um, the one-legged stance, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, you're at the you're in the zone already. It's easier to block. You're in a blocking position. You know, it's, it's kind of easier to throw. All you have to do is bring that, that leg in and you have a direct line to second base. Um, I think it's helped the game a lot, not only for us catches, but for, for pitchers to give you a better presentation of the plate, you know, as far as body and location. So I'm a huge fan of it. Wilkman Gonzalez, let's talk about him for a second. You got to catch him a couple times last year. What stuck out to you from him? Such a young man. He's Boston's number one pitching prospect right now. Baby assassin. <laughs> is that is that his nickname that's what i call him that's what okay he is up, that's what he is up there when he pitches 
I mean, you see him up there with that baby face, but he comes in as mature as possible. He's composed when he's up there. It's an honor. Like I said, I got asked this question a couple times last year. You know, they always ask me about Bayo and what it is to catch guys like that. You know, mm-hmm. with Winkleman, it's the same thing. I mean, you get an honor to catch those guys. It's, it's you know, you just, all you have to do is get in rhythm with him. And if you're in rhythm with him, everything's going to go smooth sailing. Do you see, do you find him approaching uh, batters differently than other pitchers in the system that you've played with? No, he's not afraid. He's got he's got a what I like to call an fu fastball. No, we'll keep it like that for now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's not afraid to use it. You know, in the hitters counts, he's going to use this this fastball. He can mix well behind the count. He can throw his curveball at any time in the count. And for him, that's a huge thing. And if he's able to throw his curveball behind the count. Nobody's touching that kid because his fastball is electric. I've always been curious for catchers in the off season. As we said, like this last five years, been a massive evolution in, especially as it pertains to catchers within baseball. What do you do in the off season, if anything, to help like your pitch framing ability? I I really don't understand how catchers can train for something like that. I just kind of have a. So what our team and what our organization does, we have our, our catching coordinator, Tyson Blazer, phenomenal guy, amazing individual. He'll send out things that we got to work on. He gives us a whole sheet. And uh, we just, when it comes to receiving, it's, you know, we have certain drills, just like in anything, you know, from lifting to hitting, you have certain things to help you improve in certain areas. And it's just kind of going through the drills, you know, that whether that be working on with the weighted wrists, working on moving the glove fast, or you put strap up the band to your wrist and you're working on framing and sticking it where the ball comes or just move, working on vertical moves. Uh, just like anything else, you got to practice to be good at it. If I, if I don't practice my receiving and I just go show up to screen training, I'm going to be awful. You know, so it takes, you got to take a lot of pride when you're back there, especially during the off season, because that's your time to get a lot better. In the season, you don't have time to be thinking about, oh man, like, okay, I have to work on this right now. You got to be there for your pitchers. You got a lot of stuff going on. So it's very important to kind of work and, little by little, just kind of progress on that. You also, so Portland is like the, the cream of the crop right now for the Boston Red Sox. You're around their entire uh, top prospect crop. What have you seen from Marcelo Mayer specifically that has stuck out to you? This is just a bit, it's just ability to adjust, you know, super young kid being able to go up to double A. Basically you're almost playing with, I don't want to say men, but you're, you know, he's a young kid coming into a, man's game that jump from high to double a is a big one and you know, not, not everyone can adjust like that um i he has so much potential and i just can't wait to see what he does this year because i know he's gonna take off so the red sox recently hired kyle body and a couple other guys from driveline have you guys especially as a catcher have you seen any difference within the organizational flow what as it pertains to pitching yet um, I've, I've seen a couple guys kind of make some jumps as far as like from the driveline perspective. And cause I, I don't know, I'm not a big analytic guy. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a kind of like a, I don't want to say an old school head, but I just kind of, I, I like to play the game how it's meant to be played. So I don't really dive into the analytics side too much. So, but I've seen a couple guys make jumps with, you know, guys doing their throwing programs and all that in the pull downs. So I, I think it's beneficial what they're doing. Because they, they got the hardest job. They got to keep those their arms healthy and, and get better every year. So I think it's working mm-hmm. pretty well. Eli, bring me into your uh, pregame routine. Do you have any superstitions or anything crazy like that? Uh, man, I like to sit there 
So as I'm getting ready for the game, I'm I'm kind of I'm in my sliders. I'm just hanging out. Um, before I go out there, I have my little sip uh, sip of coffee. I go up to the bullpen and I meditate for five minutes. Just kind of you know imagine every 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 situation of the game that could possibly happen. Um, how am I going to attack certain hitters? Who can beat us today? Who can't? And then after that, do a couple sprints, throw some foul balls, and get after it. Keep it simple, man. Nothing too funny, too crazy. I'm there for work, so. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your off outside of baseball. Tell me about your off season. How's it been? What have you been up to? How are you keeping it loose? Uh, just training. You know, I train out here at the University of Miami with uh, Hiroshi Powell. Uh, with some Red Sox guys. I'm out there with Brian Van Bell. So we're getting after it there. Um, I've recently, to keep it loose, I've got into pickleball. Avid pickleball oh. player right now. No, I'm into it right now. You should see me slicing and dicing over there. I'm more in the kitchen. <laughs> but uh, just enjoying it, man. Like, we we play, we have such a long season. You know, we know what our goals are. So, and as, a, as growing up through the minor leagues in the system, I've gone through every step. You know, I've been super focused, super dedicated, you know, not not hanging out with people because I want to be so dialed in. And what I've realized is to keep it loose, like, you got to have fun in this game. We're little kids at heart. We play, a, we're men, but we're playing a, a kid's game. Like, you have to enjoy your life as well during the offseason because the season's so long and you're, you're going to kill yourself mentally if you really, if you focus so, so hard. You got to be able to pull yourself out of that and just be a human being. So you've been in the system now for six, seven years, is that right? Six, six years. It's going to be my seventh this year. going to be your seventh this year. So obviously baseball journeys take longer to get to the majors than most other sports do. Has there been a time uh, in your career so far, Eli, where you've contemplated maybe uh, stepping away? Never really uh, thought about stepping away. Um, I just thought about I definitely and honestly, I mean, I definitely thought, like, am I able to do this? You know, my first year at AA, I struggled really bad, especially on the offensive side. And I, I don't think I've ever struggled as bad. And then I really kind of contemplated my ability at the time. But just like any any other athlete, you know, those are stepping stones into becoming something great. You know, that's building brick by brick. You know, the journey of baseball is not easy. And and in any other part of life, it's not easy. Anything, anything that's new to you, you got to work hard for it. And you got to make adjustments. Um, but definitely, I think, always trusting in your ability and confidence, no matter what, good or bad, you're going to thrive and you're going to be the best you could be if you could just be confident in yourself, good or bad. Because this game, you're going to fail majority of the time in this game. And you really got to push yourself through mentally. It's not a physical game. You know, like the higher you go up, the window gets smaller because the great ones have a good mentality. Eli, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Looking forward to checking in with you at some point during this season. Best of luck, um, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate you having me.